about things. And this week we are going to be talking about a lot of things because I've I've consumed a lot of shit over the last few weeks, guys. Uh, Elise was out of town, so you know, inmates running the asylum. I got to watch all sort of crazy things. Uh, and you didn't invite me up to watch <laughs> any of them. Well, it's par- partially because mostly I had things on while I was doing stuff for work. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, so, like, your, your official excuse was, oh, no, Alex, we can't hang out. I'm doing something for work. But actually, but actually, though. <laughs> I actually don't. Well, okay. Well, I, I'll get into this a little bit off off uh, off mic. But mm-hmm. essentially, yeah, I was yeah. I was doing things for work. And I just had the movies on in the background. And so I was not going to be very good company. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> Do you think, like, and people who don't know us in real life, like, wonder what we do for work? Because we're constantly, like... I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Making vague references to it. Vague references. So you'll never know. You'll never know. No. You'll never figure it out. So what did you watch? Uh, well, do we want to get into that first? Or are there other things that we want to talk about before we... I, like, I honestly have nothing. The only thing that I've been, like, watching a lot of has been House Hunters. <laughs> um, specifically House Hunters International. And then it's, like, really funny. I'm, like, I'll come home from work. And Nick is, like, still doing work because fucking capitalism. Mm. And, um... And so, like, I'm, like, okay, if it's something you don't want to pay attention to, I'm going to put on House Hunters. But then I get really angry at the house. Oh my god, <laughs> so angry. So like today we were watching we were watching this family. It was two it was a couple and their like 16-year-old son. And um they were going to move to Cold Cold Strandrup. Somewhere in Germany. Somewhere, somewhere like some small town in Germany. Mm-hmm. And um and of course they like they were like we went into like super cute and German on the outside and then we want like an obnoxiously large American kitchen on the inside and a garage and a garage and like they clearly have no understanding like these things are just not found in other countries like like American style kitchens are just not they're just not found like because we we just our lives are very much shaped by the transportation that we use and so like in America we have big kitchens because you only go to the grocery store like you know, you can go a couple of weeks without going to the grocery store versus like, um, or like a week or two versus, you know, most places in Europe, it's like you go every day or you go to the market like every other day. And so you don't need a large kitchen because you're not storing a lot of stuff. Um, and you're often like not, you're only often maybe prepping like one meal a day in there. And then you're eating, you know, either very simply or out for the other two meals. And so, Anyway, I, I don't know. I don't know why I'm going on this tangent. Um, except for to say that, like, the 16-year-old son was... Yeah. This is the most ridiculous demand, though. Was that the 16-year-old son wanted to be close to the train station so he could be more independent, which is cool. But then he wanted a man cave. Yeah. Which then ensued a slew and, of jokes. Because every time he's this, like, little <laughs> snot-nosed kid uttered the word man cave. He has acne. He had acne. He had acne. I don't think his voice had he, changed. He looked like the pimply-faced teen from The Simpsons. Yeah. And, and so he I sounded just gave, like him, too. No, he was just like... He didn't sound like him, but I gave him that voice when I made yes. fun of him. <laughs> I want a fan cave. I need a place to hang out away from my parents. 
Other it's women, like, and you just... No, you're a 16-year-old kid. You don't get a man cave. You get a room. You get a clubhouse. A rumpus room. A rumpus. No, no, no. No, but what I'm saying is, like, you know, teenagers don't get man caves. They, like, like, first of all, the word man cave is something that should be stricken from all languages and cultures across the planet. Yeah. I did make a joke about man cave being a wonderful name for a discotheque in this yeah, small yeah, yeah, town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's like oh yes, uh, man cave yeah yeah the, the, the man cave is down the road. Uh, you are uh, they have uh, how do you say bear nights <laughs> on Thursday? You are what they call bear cub. Um, <laughs> um, but, but like like her like whole face like every time this family started talking and you're just like. I am so, so sorry yeah, yeah. that you have to deal with these obnoxious she, Americans. She put on, you know, the most professional and efficient German politeness expression. Yeah. But you could tell behind it. Like, just seething <laughs> just in anger. Flames <laughs> behind <laughs> my eyes and around Out my, my head. <laughs> just panning. Yes. Flames. Yes. Fire. <laughs> you know, because, like, the whole time she's just like... Uh, yeah, you can't, you can't really get that, you know, because she's basically saying, like, like, no, Those, you fuckers, you cannot get, like, this does not exist. This does not exist in the country. <laughs> like, and then it's, you know, and it's the fact that it's, like, a place, I th- I'm assuming it's in Cologne, like, I'm assuming that it's in the know. Cologne region, um, because that's, like, the big U.S. military region, and, um, surprise, audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The U.S. military still has a very strong presence yeah. in Germany, um, for reasons. <laughs> because and, we have global hegemony. Yeah. We. And um, so anyway, so like a lot of, a lot of the rental properties get you know taken up by, officers and like yeah. you know like a lot. So like the the like the off base rental, rent and you know is it, it's a very competitive market, um and then it's. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Other than, like, you're competing with a lot of people who all want the same things. Yeah. Because they're all fat, stupid Americans like you. Um, <laughs> anyway. No, the, the one that was really infuriating, though, was the woman who was moving somewhere in Italy and was like, I, but these kitchens are also small. And I'm like, yes, because if there's one thing Maybe that Italian. Italians don't know how to do, it's cook. Yeah. They're they're like, all going to have terrible kitchens. But that's like a great example too of like you just you have a smaller kitchen because you're going to the market every day, you know, like it I don't know. It's just it's just different. Um but I prefer the Europe and Asia episodes over the like we made a shit ton of money and now we're going to buy a ta- like a a mansion in the Bahamas. Like I I like it more than those episodes. Those episodes are really annoying. I don't know what it is about them. I just like there's there's like a string of like Caribbean episodes that are just disgusting. I think because it's basically like it's like a micro version of colonization, I feel. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, like where you have these like assholes who are going and buying like you know, five hundred thousand dollar condos in in the middle of the Caribbean. So speaking of assholes with too much money, <laughs> what a transition! Yeah. Um. So going back, so the movies that I watched, or well, one of the movies I watched uh, the last few weeks, uh, was the movie Society, 
Do we live in one? Yeah, we live in one. We live in a society. Um, no, if you've never if you've never seen or heard of society, um, get yourself a barf bag for the last like half hour, and sit down and watch it. Because okay. it is definitely something that's in maybe not Elise's wheelhouse, but the wheelhouse of the the oeuvre of this podcast. I feel okay. like. Um, because it is a um, 1980s horror film directed by Brian Usna, Usna, something like that. Um, the same guy who was the one of the writers and producers on like the Reanimator movies, um, and it is basically it's a lot like They Live, but it's way more pessimistic and way more disgusting. Mm. Mm. Um, and the premise... Awesome. Yeah. So the premise of society uh, is that the rich are all these gross, shape-shifting, incestuous monsters. Oh, I've, I've, heard, I've heard about this. Yeah. Like, I think so- Thought Slime did a thing. Yeah, it. I think he did, actually. Yeah. Uh, so that, I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to watch it, because I keep hearing people mention it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd never seen it before, and you know, Brian used that as... Uh, you know, I, I enjoy Reanimator, and I enjoy some... I'm trying to remember what some of the other things that he worked on were, but it's like, I was looking at his credits, and I'm like, oh, like this, this is a guy. Um... Uh, but basically the premise of the movie, uh, yeah, like I said, there are all these like gross incestuous aliens or monsters. Uh, and the main character, Billy is like raised in this rich family, but he like, he doesn't feel like he's part of them. And like, you know, he doesn't really understand them and they seem to give him the cold shoulder and find out the whole reason is because they basically like raised him as a joke, Mm. like thinking, Oh, Look at you thinking that you could ever be, you know, a part of us. And then they'd like, you know, try to kill him. But it's Ugh. like, yeah. It's this really like amazing practical effects. Um really disgusting shit. Yeah. Um and you know, you don't sir. Yeah. Really really good. And definitely like again, within the wheelhouse of this podcast in the sense that it's anti-capitalist underground uh kind of you know cult sort of status in terms of the quality mm-hmm. um and just very darkly funny uh, mm. but mostly darkly dark <laughs> anyway um how about you alex you've been kind of quiet today uh i haven't watched a whole lot well that's not true um i mean i've I watched. Uh, I've continued to watch um, anime. 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 The, anime. The um, disastrous life of Psyche K. Uh, have I talked about that on the podcast yeah, yet? I don't think so. So it's actually a, a show that I would recommend for for us to at least try out. Maybe like watch the first episode, see what you like, see what you think. Um, basically, it. So it takes the premise, and it's on Netflix. That's where I've been watching it. it takes the premise uh, that. This high school student is a psychic. Okay. Um, and has all these psychic powers. Um, like, basically, they kind of make up powers as they go along, where he's, like, almost all-powerful. But instead of trying to do something with it, his main goal is just to be left alone. 
Like, all he wants to do is, like, he wants to make, like, exactly average level grades. He wants to not stand out in, in his uh, class, but not become I've too ostracized. That. Yeah. So, like, his whole goal is yeah, to just be, like, funny. be, like, just there, like a normal person like everyone else. Um, and it follows him and all his, uh, you know, what he doesn't consider them to be friends, but they consider him to be the, their friend. Okay. Um, and their their life uh, in high school. And I've, I've gotten about halfway through it. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's actually quite fun and quite funny. Um, there's a lot of, like, there's a, a few, like, breaking the fourth wall kind of things. Mm. Um, where some of it is, like... Like, they'll, like, some of the characters will comment on, like, why some characters get, like, a, a panning shot and others don't. Like, 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 why would you cut away from, like, like that kind of thing. Um, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, but it is definitely a lot of fun to just kind of see these characters interact. And, like, you don't really have any worry that there's any stakes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know the world could be in peril and with like a snap of his fingers he could probably stop it but to just see kind of how things continue to build upon each other uh -huh. and like how the lengths he has to go to to keep the illusion <laughs> is kind of fun um so that's what i've been watching cool very cool yeah um it's also the 10 year anniversary to the day of the release of after last season no yeah yay congratulations <laughs> We still don't have a, a 10th anniversary release. No. It'll, that, that movie will. No. <laughs> that movie will never receive a wide release. <laughs> Again, I should say. Because I think, like, whenever blue, uh, like DVD copies of it come up the, on the that Facebook po page about it, yeah. they'll be like, oh, my God, it's on eBay for $300. <laughs> if you have $300 to spend on a joke, buy it immediately. Right? Because it will be gone. It will be gone. <laughs> Oh God, what is that guy doing now? Mark Regan, I, I guess. The, the director, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, the director. Who... I watched that movie once on a flash drive that you gave to me. <laughs> yeah, I did, and I didn't understand it, and I barely remember it. Yep. So, um, the director slash writer slash producer um, was slash star. No, he wasn't oh, actually in it. Oh man, um, he was Mark. He went by the pseudo name Mark Regan. Okay. Um, and we don't know much about him. Uh, we don't. All we know is that he was apparently in the real estate industry, and yeah. And the movie was filmed in a house he was trying to sell. <laughs> Probably. We don't know for that for certain. We do know he had a passing interest in medical technology. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, he was not a medical student, which is made, what out, of, have, made out of cardboard. <laughs> out of cardboard. Made of so he was in the real estate industry. This makes me think it was something that one of the Bluth children came up with. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. No, though actually, <laughs> that would actually explain a lot. And, Yes. So, I'm sure we've talked about after last season if on not, the podcast. If not, remind the people. And so, remind me, because again, I... So I, All I remember is the stupid CGI yeah. sequences that were supposed to mean something, but actually <laughs> meant nothing. So, the film cost about $5 million to make. What?! <laughs> And most of that went to the CGI. What? Which looked, That's a lie. That's, you just made that up. <laughs> I did not. I read an article about it. What's it's the, the fuck? The 10th year anniversary. Oh, my God. So it cost $5 million to make. 
Um, and most of it I went to the CGI. to believe that. Most of it went to the CGI that I will remind people this was made in 2009. It is much worse than Toy Story. No, it's like, it looks worse than Babylon 5. <laughs> Um, I refuse to was but, this but, part was but, this a scam? I don't know. But is this the producers? <laughs> the point is that well, if it was the producers, then it worked. Yeah. Um, the the point is like that CGI budget that went to some kind of black hole. All that CGI appears in like the third act. Yeah. As a giant non sequitur. Yep. Um, so basically, what it is is after learning about the brain from a doctor, um, this. Uh, this woman and the, like these two medical students uh, meet up to do psychological researching, mm. uh, which basically involves putting a, a computer chip on each other's temple and trying to read each other's mind. Right. Um, and in doing so, there, there's apparently some kind of background about a murderer. That's yeah, I was gonna loose. say, isn't that story? Isn't that movie a murder <laughs> mystery? Because I honestly don't remember. By technicality, yes. Um, it is a murder mystery on technicality because there's a murderer and there's a mystery, um, but. Basically, it's discovered while they're debuting this technology that can share people's thoughts with each other by telepathy, that one of these students is actually a psychic. Like, like again, not related to the psychic that I was just talking about, but... Another psychic. Another psychic. A different psychic. A different psychic. This I one... I need more booze. <laughs> this just one saying. that... Here, finish mine. Do you still have that uh, flash drive? Do you not like it? Nah, not really. Yeah. Um, Aww. But I do still have that flash drive. Um, we should watch it sometime. We should. <laughs> we should make at least see it. It actually has season. it actually has Spoonie's uh, riff tracks on it. Oh God! Because like I couldn't find a copy of it that didn't. Um, that was the only one I could find, and I downloaded it immediately as soon as I got it. Anyway, regardless, um, so they find that basically it's like she gets a vision of the murderer, and then they have a dream about fish for like fifteen minutes. Yeah. Uh, and then the they're attacked by a ghost that turns out to be a dream, um, and I forgot about that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they like there's there's like the chairs are moving around on their own, and they're like you know being haunted by this ghost that's trying to kill them. But it turns out everything was just a dream. Um, and was everything just a dream, or was just the ghost a dream? Pretty much. Including like oh the including like the the mind sharing was apparently just oh a dream. Oh my god. Like a dream that both of them had. Oh my god. <laughs> I need to go back and watch this movie. We need again. to watch this. Cuz honestly, like I I watched it and I'm like what the f like I've watched a lot of bad movies. And I watched a lot of David Lynch movies. Yeah. And this entire the, like I didn't understand like, anything. Like I've made student films much better than this one. I would say it's it's not hard to say that. It's it's all of the but it, this had like a theatrical release. All of the like weird obtuse bullshit in a David Lynch film without the talent <laughs> or like artistic merits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but and apparently it cost five. That is a crime. Someone should have <laughs> gone to jail. Like. I'm not saying it's a crime that someone spent $5 million on a shitty movie. I'm saying this movie was created purely to cover up crimes. <laughs> well, again, we don't know anything about the director or writer. Like, like he has vanished it's into the oblivion. It's got to be. It is, it's got to be some sort of money laundering scheme. Something. Because <laughs> that is the only explanation for how that goddamn movie cost $5 million. Yeah. Apparently, like, the filming of it was done in, like, again, this house yeah. that um, that was supposed to be, like, a hospital. Yeah. And... Just, uh, like, a hospital with Venetian blinds. Yeah, and, and there's, like, a bunch of, of like, the, 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 
the, the quotes don't make any sense. No. Like, I've never been to that town, but I've but been, been through, through it. it. Uh, <laughs> I, that's the only thing I remember other than that's the a nice. That's a nice, what is it? That's a nice radio clock you have there. And it's a picture, and then, like, they pan to, they, like, they cut to a clock, like a, like a digital clock that has a radio, like, taped to it. <laughs> <laughs> or no, it's vice versa. It's a radio that has, like, a stopwatch taped to it. <laughs> it's great. You should watch it's it. Amazing. It's amazing. It's a masterpiece. Um, so anyway, I didn't, I didn't watch it, but I was reminded by this group that we are in, which is, uh, I believe, an after last season on yeah. Facebook. Um, that it's the 10th year anniversary. I, I missed that post. That's crazy. I, Is that the 10th year anniversary today? Today, yeah, huh. to, as of this recording. So tomorrow as of the uploading. So or yesterday, so, quest, so then question. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. Answer. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to say, like, did this did this kill Ronald Reagan? But it, it was, that was a few years after Ronald Reagan died. 2009. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always forget because it looks like it looks like a shitty movie from two thousand two. It that looks like sense. a shitty movie from like nineteen ninety nine. <laughs> like like it's like it's what shot on like thirty five millimeter. Is it? No, it can't possibly be let shot me, in thirty five millimeter. Let me pull up the actual article here. It's clear. Like I think it's shot on digital video. Is what it looks like to me. Thirty five no, millimeter. No, it is was like, shot on film. I know this because what? I remember it in the article. What? Basically, the director did not want them to have multiple takes. What? So they like had to do everything on like the single what? reel. What? Because he wanted to save. Oh film. my god. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was on. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm looking this up. Yeah. Uh, production. Yeah. Uh, after last season was shot in Massachusetts on thirty five millimeter film. With that a is five million dollar budget. That is ridiculous. According to the actors, production took place in the dead of winter with nothing but space heaters to warm them on freezing sets. Unsurprisingly, Mark Regan's shooting style was just as erratic as the movie turned out to be. To save on film stock, he would have the actors recite lines from throughout the entire film, often on the same take, never stopping to relight or reframe his shots. Oh my god. <laughs> Let's. That's what I mean. This movie was done to like cover up crimes. <laughs> like you know how. Um, like Uwe Boll just makes movies for like tax right, like for some tax avoidance scheme. Yeah, like it's like that, but darker. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like there's at least one murder involved in this somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's in the plot, apparently. Yeah, I know, but I mean, like, like a real life murder. <laughs> like someone was killed, and in their like elaborate cover up scheme, they decided to make a movie. <laughs> Oh yeah, so they like they they like pulling a body past the cops and like, what's this? Oh, it's a prop for a movie. I don't know. Shit, now I gotta. I make don't a know. Movie. No, I just. <laughs> it's it's. I don't know. Somewhere in my head, there's like a Coen Brothers style film about the making of this movie, <laughs> where it's like it starts with like you know an accidental killing, and then it's like we gotta find some way to get rid of this extra five million dollars, or else the cops are gonna figure out it was us. <laughs> Like, that's that's what happens. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, it sounds like you need to write it. I need to write this movie. Yeah, and then send it to the Coen brothers. There you go. Like, they'll just pick it up immediately. Or if or if they won't do it, then uh, James Franco probably will. <laughs> it's like The Room, but... Um, I also watched... It was taking me a while. The reason why I kind of, like, kicked it back over to Alex was because I couldn't remember... I watched, like, three movies, and I could remember two of them, but then I couldn't remember the second one that I did. So one of them was Society. So one of them was Society. Society was very good. Um, yeah, again, very gross, and, but I think worth a watch. The second one that I watched 
was Life Force. Life Force. Life Force is going to take a little bit more time for me to talk about. All right. So Life Force was uh, produced by Golan Globus, uh, the Canon Film Group, which, if you're unfamiliar, there is a wonderful uh, movie, uh, like a wonderful uh, documentary about this production company called... Um, what was it called? Electric Boogaloo? Something like that. Oh, is this Canon Films? Because Yeah, Canon Films. Yeah. Because they were the people who produced Break-In and Break-In 2, Electric Boogaloo, and... Uh, was it really called that? Yes. Yep. That's You're looking joke. at me like I'm crazy. That's the name <laughs> of the movie. It was the 80s, Elise. Breakdancing was big. There's whole, there were whole movies about... They, had, they made whole movies about roller derby. They did. They made whole movies about roller derby. They made the, they produced the Masters of the Universe movie. Mm. Um, there's a like just uh, they produced a lot of the later Death Wish movies. Um, basically anything that uh, Charles Bronson or um, or um, Chuck Norris was in in the 1980s were produced by these guys. All right. So so the movie that I watched was called Life Force. I need more. Movies. Yeah, you have more. Boobs. So Life Force, it was. I need more. Alex. Life Force was created. <laughs> don't judge me. Was pre was was produced by Golan Globus. Was done by Canon Films. Uh, directed by the late great Toby Hooper, who directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Written by Dan O'Bannon, who was one of the writers on the first Alien movies, starring. In one of his very first feature film roles, Sir Patrick fucking Stewart, in a minor role. This was a year after Dune, and I think a year or two before Star Trek. Okay? So, that's this movie. Okay. Uh, it is... So it should be good. Oh my god. It is good. It's actually kind of amazing. Um, it should not it, have been owned by it is based. It is based off of a book. The title of the book that Life Force is based off of is The Space Vampires. Sounds like a Doctor Who thing. It kind of is, honestly. It is, it's a... Like, this is somebody's spec script, and like, they're like, I'm never going to get know, to work for Doctor like Who. Like, there are space vampires in Doctor yeah. Who. No, it, honestly, like, like you saying that, it, it is kind of a <laughs> Doctor Who episode. Like, it's one of the darker Doctor Who episodes, but it's basically... It, it's, they just weren't ready. The BBC just wasn't ready for my hot take on Doctor Who. What, what year was it made in again? 1985, okay. I think, is when it came out. And what year, what year was the last of the Seventh oh, sure. Doctor? 89, Okay, I yeah. want to say. Never mind. Then. So, they could have. Yeah, they could have done it. They could have done it. Andrew Cartmel, why didn't you hire I mean, this person? I was thinking that... Sorry, that was a deep cut. Mm, for I was thinking more that it might have been that like it had and then... The show was canceled, so they tried. Because yeah. there are a few films that were like that, where it's like yeah, we yeah, had yeah. this script lying around that was going to be a Doctor Who thing, but Doctor Who was canceled, so we made it into a movie. So, yeah. so but the, I guess it's not this. So. so the premise of this movie is it is a joint U.S.-British space exploration. Okay. Okay. On a fucking space shuttle, even though space shuttles just typically orbit the Earth, this one is going all the way out to fucking Halley's Comet. And in the tale of Halley's Comet, there was like a 150 mile long artificial, like a like constructed object. And they're like, hmm, that shouldn't be there. 
So because this movie was written by Dan O'Bannon, who wrote Alien, the very next thing that they do is send an away team over to this object in the comet, and they go inside. And inside, there are all these frozen bat-looking creatures kind of floating around on the interior. Mm -hmm. And three uh, weird crystal coffin-looking things with beautiful naked people inside. Okay, I th what is this called again? Life Force. I think I have heard of this movie now. Now yeah. that you're mentioning the plot, it's like, yeah. I, I remember not seeing the whole thing, but like seeing clips from it. Yeah. You have, and Elise, you've seen clips from it too. I have? Yes, you have. Because there got to be a point in the movie where I'm like, I recognize that shot, but I've never seen this movie before. Where do I recognize it from? I, I recognize it from the, uh, the Jandrew edit of TNG. Where it's Picard, oh, no. the episode there where he's doing did the edit of uh, when Picard and Crusher are trapped on that planet and Picard is injured and like Wesley Crusher is like trying to get water so he'll won't he won't die yeah and it shows him okay remember that you remember that edit I that remember he did that. And no you, I don't remember the edit I remember okay the episode. you remember the episode okay so in the edit like Picard is just getting worse and worse and Wesley is just talking to him more and more and it keeps cutting back to him and he's in like worse and worse shape and in the very last of it it's Picard with like blood pouring out of his face <laughs> like like up into the air and flying away that's from this movie oh my God. <laughs> because it's Patrick Stewart Okay, so 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 it then cuts to so this is like the first like five minutes of the movie. Mm -hmm. By the way, is them going onto the ship. It then cuts to like fifteen months later or something like that, and the derelict of this space shuttle has somehow made its way back to Earth, and they're like, oh, they're not in contact. Like we can't figure out what's going on, and so they recover it. They recover the ship, and they find out what's on there, and they start doing all these experiments, and it's like, oh my god, there's. They're, they're vampires and all the crew is dead. And like now they're running around London, turning like to suck in everyone's life force. Oh um, my God. And it takes place in London. And it takes place in London. This was definitely oh, a right. Doctor Who Oh, it is. Mm -hmm. oh that's, my God. that's why when Alex no, said no. that, I'm like, no, it actually is. So is there a character that you could say is like an expli of the Doctor? There, so there are two, there are actually three main characters. Okay. Um, okay. Kind of. There is uh, the American commander of the space shuttle who survives. Like, he's the only member of the crew who survives. Okay. It's him, a British SAS officer, and, like, a scientist. Okay. Um, so and who's the doctor the, 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 the doctor maybe could have been the scientist because he was the oldest one. Um, but, spoiler alert for this, like, 30-year-old movie that... Is, no one's going no to see. They, I, I would recommend it. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, it is a fun watch. Because, again, Tobey Hooper is a great director. Dan O'Bannon is a pretty fun writer. It's a fun movie. Um, it's not great. Uh, but uh, we, we find out that when the, uh, when the uh, vampires kind of sap something's life force, they can yeah. also, like imprint some of their consciousness into it oh, so the, like how what's his name imprinted on bella's baby no 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 so like like they and then they fell in love like and that was the end of no, twilight no 
Um, like, like as in they can, they can leave their body and put their mind in someone else's body. Basically. Oh, so like, that's not romantic. No, it's that's not. That's not what vampires no, do. But that's what happens to the scientist towards the end is he gets, he gets taken over by one of the bad guys. Oh no! Um, maybe the British SAS officer could have been because he's kind of stoic throughout the whole thing, and he's the one who actually ends up saving the day towards the end. Or like they could have done that shitty thing that screenwriters do, where they take like uh, originally one character and then split it into two people. Possibly, but anyway. I don't see a way that these three characters could have been the same person purely mm-hmm. because like the, the the American commander is like in love with the vampire woman they don't have to have the three the maybe just the two maybe Maybe. just the the doctor and the sas maybe um but in any event uh yeah so so uh patrick stewart plays another doctor who's like helping them for a bit and then they'd find out that he's that he's actually possessed by the mind of the vampire woman what yes and then he gets blood shooting out. And of then his he face. gets blood shooting out of his face, and the blood turns into the vampire woman. It sounds actually, amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> it's actually like the again, practical effects wise, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like the practical effects in this movie are pretty great. Story wise, it's pretty cheesy, but it's like a pretty. It's a standard kind of. Not it's not zombies, but it's that kind of movie where it's like. Oh, now we have to like maybe blow up all of London because this thing is spreading, mm. and um, and there's some really stupid contrivances in it. It's like, no, these are the beings that created the vampire legend because they've come to Earth before, <laughs> like that sort of a thing. It's like, in the middle of the 20th century, they come to Earth and almost wipe out a major metropolitan area. They're not exactly subtle. <laughs> Like they wipe, out, they nearly wipe out one of the biggest cities on the planet. Mm-hmm. I think that it would leave behind more than just conjecture and mythology if these things kept showing up to Earth. But um, that movie was fun. And then immediately after that, I watched another even shittier science fiction movie. Was this one too shitty to be good? No. Oh. Um, because this one was was uh, produced by the great Roger Corman. Name sounds familiar. Fine purveyor of schlock movies. Um, Death Race 2000. Okay. Oh, Jesus. That level of quality. So this movie uh, is... Oh, go ahead. Just very brief tangent Mm -hmm. is my foray into the Death Race series was when I was in college. And I guess there was like a reboot. Oh, yeah. I think it was Death Race 2000. Yeah. Well, the the, the original was... was Death Race 2000. Okay. So it was the Death Race reboot. And my friend was like, we're going to the movies. We're going to go see Death Race. And I was like, the fuck? And I was like, what is it about? She's like, it's called Death Race. Get in the car. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, have you never seen the original? I've never seen the original. Oh, I've only seen the reboot. man, we should watch that. It was, so like, it was the one, I, I've the... actually been to a drive-in theater. Okay. So it was a drive-in theater and you went and you parked and they showed three three movies uh-huh. and one was the first one was eagle eye the second one was like ghost town or maybe it was ghost town anyway and the ghost third town? one i don't think even... uh it was like a, a comedy with ricky gervais from like the late 2000s okay it wasn't great um but the third one was death race and we had to stay up for like we had to stay up until like one o'clock in the morning 
in the freezing fucking cold because that's the thing that nobody ever tells you about drive-in theaters like they sound cute and romantic but like you can't leave your car's heat on for that many hours like you'll asphyxiate and so like so you just end up watching um so it's like one o'clock in the morning and we're fucking watching like death race on this on the roof of her car like sitting on the roof of her car watching Death Race and like and I didn't have a choice and it was literally just we're gonna go see Death Race it's called Death Race <laughs> it's like what is it about it's about Death Race so the original movie anyway, I, I never saw I the was remake. great at picking friends in college I've never seen the original movie but the oh I've never seen I've never seen the remake but yeah. the original movie is like one of the very first movies that Sylvester Stallone was in Oh really? Yeah. Oh my god. Um, and it is very campy, very tongue in cheek. Okay. You know they're talking because it's because in the remake, if I'm remembering the trailers right, it's like, oh, you got to survive these death races to get out of prison, and it's like gritty and tough, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So in this one, it's like this campy like dystopia, where it's like, no, this is like popular entertainment. I think that's more of like what like the death race reboot wise. No, no, because the Death but Race reboot was the one who was like, oh, no, we're in prison. We got to get out of prison. No, but it was also like. Right. No, they do it as they, they do yeah, it as entertainment. It's, it's but it's like, circuses. but it's like, yeah, it's like a blood sport sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. But in this one, it's, it's done. It's like the celebrated it's, Death Racers. Yeah, yeah. They raced to death and they won. No, no, no. It's, you know, it's this like dystopian future, future of America. So it's like. Instead of being about, like, mm, prison, tough men trying to get out of prison, just get home to their families kind of a thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's more of about, um, like, the dark turn that, like, just entertainment takes in the future. <laughs> so it's sort of... Like, we go from Kim... I could see that. We go from keeping up with the Kardashians yeah. just to death race. And so it's like, you know, you have all these, like, the racers are all... Sub- the amazing race! But then it gets more amazing when they start killing people. But like, okay, so it's so it's a race across country. So it's like, kind of like Cannonball Run. But like, it's not just who gets there first. It's who gets there first with the most points. How do you score points? By running over people. And the like, the different different kinds of people are worth different amounts of points. Oh my god! And so like, oh my god, is this just a documentary? From oh my the god! Future? No, because it's incredible. I can just see it's this. fucking incredible. This happening. Like, so they're like, you know, they'll go by like, oh, uh, the main character's name is Frankenstein. He's played by John Carradine. Yeah. It's like, oh, Frankenstein's go driving by. Uh, driving through this town and like the retirement home in that town just like takes all the old people and shoves them out into the middle of the road (laughs) so that he can run over them (laughs) like that's the tone of that movie okay it's incredible that is fucked up and actually they did so they did a reboot they did a sequel to the reboot right and then a few years ago, they did a sequel to the original, directed yes. by Roger Corman, called Death Race 2050, which I still have not seen, but I think it's on Netflix, so oh we, should, we should find a way to watch both, because they're very good. Um, but the one that I watched this weekend was Death called... Race. The okay. one that I watched this weekend, which apparently was ghost-directed by Roger Corman. Uh, he was not credited as a director. what is... What is ghost directing? So go- it's like ghost writing? It's like ghost writing. So like, he's not credited he as the didn't direct- want to be associated well, with this. Well, no. Someone else. So Roger Corman, for those of you who don't know. Um, We're not in the know. Made most of us. Made shitloads of movies and just loved making movies. And very few of his movies are what you would call good. Like, 
the, there's a lot that are just like can't be fun. Like death races can't be fun, but it's not like classic cinema or anything. It's but not he, directing Citizen Kane over here. No, but he does launch the careers of a lot of really famous actors. Like, one of his very early films was a little film called Little Shop of Horrors. Which <gasps> little is, Shop! Which is the little very first horrors. film appearance of an actor named Jack Nicholson. It's oh, right, he didn't do the musical one. He right, no, original. he did the original. He did the original, Damn the black it. and white. Um... Not as cool. And, but in any event, so his, like, his whole philosophy was like, oh, movies should be fun, but people should be able to make movies. And so he like launched a lot of people's careers. So I'm thinking with this movie, he had someone direct most of it, but like uh -huh. he came in to help to make sure that the movie went in okay and like to help this guy along with his career. But this movie came out in 1980. Um, I don't know if I said the title. It's Battle Beyond the Stars. So three years after Star Wars. So uh -huh. guess what this movie rips off? Um, and oh god. oh god, oh man. So here's the premise for Battle Beyond the Stars. Okay. So uh, John Saxon, who is a there's a ton of like famous character actors in this movie. Um, so John Saxon is the villain. Um, he is the one of the dads in Nightmare on Elm Street. He's in Enter the Dragon. Um, he's in Eat, uh... Eat, Pray, Love? No, not Eat, Pray, Love. Uh... Are you sure? I'm sure. But, um, he was, you know, if you've ever seen the original or, um, the original Nightmare on Elm Street or Nightmare on Elm Street 3, he's the police lieutenant in there. Um, so he's the bad guy in this. And he's just going around taking over planets, alright? And he has a not death star that he uses to take these planets over and it's basically like look you guys can either surrender to me or i can blow up your planet uh and be, you know, so he's kind of like space genghis khan okay. so he shows up to this planet at the beginning of the movie this planet which has no defensive capabilities of any kind they have like one it's like it's a planet of all like rock quarries and like one habitable zone so there's like one culture on this entire planet and they're all pacifists um and they have this like one world religion basically which they keep talking about throughout the movie but never actually explain so it's kind of like the force but stupid um and you know what i love and so and so he shows up and he's like you have like seven days to surrender to me and become a part of my empire and just to show that i'm serious and then he just kills a whole bunch of people and then he just sits there in orbit while that's happening our young not luke skywalker main character is like uh, well they, well there's like a council that comes together and like we have no weapons we can't fight back but we can't surrender to him because that would be bad and he's he's a bad guy what are the consequences of surrendering to him i don't know they don't really say just they're part of his empire but he did murder a whole bunch of people so he is evil um in any event they ultimately decide that they're going to uh, get some mercenaries. So it's like, we can't kill a whole bunch of people, but we can pay some people to kill so a whole bunch it's of people. So it's not Seven Samurai? It is not Seven Samurai. Okay. It is not Seven Samurai, and it is not Star Wars. <laughs> okay. And so um, this one kid is like, well, I'll go out and I'll get the mercenaries. And so he goes out in this old man's like busted-ass spaceship with artificial intelligence, and... 
That's like the again, like the first five fucking minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then it's him bopping around to all these different planets, hiring mercenaries to come back and like help him fight it off. And so uh I'm trying to remember like all of them, but there's like they're like crazy aliens. But one of them is uh, an, another kind of famous actor, uh hold up. Um who plays a character named Cowboy. He's called Cowboy because he's from Earth and he's a space trucker and on his long hauls out in space, he watches a whole bunch of Earth old Earth cowboy movies. Uh, and he's played by George Pappard, who is another kind of big name actor from back in the day. If you don't know him, your parents probably know him. Uh, he was in Breakfast at Tiffany's, but he's probably best known as Hannibal from the A-Team. Okay. 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 So we've got a guy from the A-Team... Um, he gets uh, Richard Vaughn, who's another character actor who was in Magnificent Seven. No, okay. so, <laughs> basically playing the same character, uh, the Towering Inferno, Superman Three, Bullet. So like all the all all these other guys, um, they're like the only two kind of normal guys. Like the George Papard guy just acts like a cowboy the whole time and talks in cowboy cliches and keeps singing the streets of Laredo throughout the entire movie. <laughs> um, Robert Vaughn, he finds, cause he goes to what is, is kind of hyped up to be this ver- movie's version of Mos Eisley Cantina. It's like, Oh, it's a, a city entirely underground and it's filled with all these rough customers. And you get there and Robert Vaughn's the only person alive in the entire city because he basically is this mercenary who just went in and killed everyone and took all their shit. So he's just sitting there on the huge pile of gold. And he's like, well, what can you offer me if I go with you to help you fight this unwinnable war against the world's great, like the universe's greatest army? And the guy's like, well, we can pay you in room and board. And he's like, great. Because everyone's trying to kill me and I have no place I can spend my money. (laughs) So, yeah, give me a safe place to live and I'll absolutely do this for you. Uh, And then there's a whole bunch of weird aliens. There's one that's like an entire race that shares the same consciousness. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's uh, an alien, like, lizard sex trafficker who turns out that his entire race was killed off by the same guy so he's like oh you want me to go fight that fucker yeah i'll help you fight him even though it's just threatening you with sexual violence earlier um and yeah it basically does just turn into seven samurai but it's like goofy and wacky and just all kinds of crazy bullshit Mm -hmm. so like john saxon captures one of the aliens that all share the same consciousness Mm mm-hmm and he is about to torture him, and the guy just kind of, like, the alien just kind of terminates that body. Mm-hmm. So, like, just shuts off consciousness to there. And so he's like, well, my arm was injured in this battle. So, doctor who was about to torture this alien, cut off this alien's arm and put it on my body. And so the aliens then control his arm for a bit, <laughs> which is pretty great. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, there's a whole bunch of just, like, cowboy bullshit for some reason uh there's a whole bunch of just like weird religious nonsense where it's like oh well our religious texts say this i don't i don't know why like like this is clearly not the same movie or like Mm -hmm. similar in a whole lot of ways but i keep getting like crawl flashbacks 
It is way goofier than Crawl. Okay, goofier than okay. Crawl. So, like, Crawl was kind of meant to be taken seriously and uh -huh. just fails. Uh -huh. This movie was clearly not really meant to be taken all that seriously. Okay. It's still... It's more... It thinks it's more serious than it actually is, but there's a lot of goofiness. So, it's, like, it's a fun little romp. Okay. Um, But it is, like... there. And you know, there's there's a bits of hubris where like, you know, some of the some of the mercenaries don't make it to the end, and um, you know, they have some kind of tragic moments there where it's like, oh, they were gonna give up everything to save our shitty little planet, um, but they end up winning, hooray! They end up winning the 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 battle beyond the stars, the war beyond the stars that one might say, a star war. Oh, they win the star war. How how fortuitous! How fortuitous! Um, but yeah, it's it is one of those movies that was clearly made like right in the aftermath of Star Wars, mm -hmm. where everyone knew that Star Wars was successful, but they weren't sure exactly why, <laughs> and so they're just like, "We'll just put things that was in Star Wars in our thing, and it'll be just as successful, right?" Right. Yeah, that's clearly that's how that exactly works. what it, what was the reason, and not the fact that it was you know a well made movie with groundbreaking special effects and you know, universally understood character archetypes mm -hmm. and no. not like, you know, weird lizard man who's threatening one of the main characters with rape <laughs> who becomes a hero like five seconds after that. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. That was Battle Beyond the Stars. Sounds like a time. It was a time. Um... I don't know, we're coming up to the hour, and it sounds like no one else has anything to talk about. Dude, right I didn't, like, I just, I haven't done, like, fuck all. Like, I don't know, like, I've, I've worked, I've watched House Hunters, we've been watching, re-watching TNG, mm -hmm. um, which on my way back, so, like, I, I went out of town this weekend with my sibling and their partner, um, and we played a very long, hilarious version of, like, Kill, Fuck, Mary with the Marvel MCU. <laughs> um... I mean, I guess if you want, like, I could bring up some of the rounds now, but it seems futile at this point. Yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, no, and I've just been rewatching a lot of, like, Star Trek TNG, which we've already discussed ad nauseum. So I've, I've really, like, nothing to add. So, I mean, I'm good with calling it, if you guys are good with calling it. Um, I don't know. I, I wanted to just... I feel like I've been talking a lot, and I want to give other people a chance. Oh, so you want to talk more oh, now? Oh, damn it! I have other things to talk about. Oh, Jesus! I started this is this... never going to end. This is my purgatory. I started this episode off saying that I had, like, lots of things that I consumed. Plot twist. We're all dead. I thought and those lots of things were the three movies husband. that you saw. No, because, like, there were other things as well. <laughs> I don't know. Now, see... Uh, What's up? Ah, uh, no, it's good. Um... I mean, I guess I could talk about the the game, like the the 15-year-old game that I've been playing again. Go for it. Uh, which is... A, is it Skyrim? No. That's Skyrim's not, not 15 years old yet. No. It's very close. It's, uh, it's like 10. <laughs> Civilization 3. Oh. oh. Jesus. It's a civilization game. It is. Uh, it was actually the first real video game that I ever had that was allowed to continue to have. Um, because my first video game I had was Battle Chess, and that my <laughs> was mom too took, violent. Was too violent for little Alex. Um, but Civilization Three. Just then, you mom. I play what I want now. <laughs> Civilization Three was a gift from my grandma, and so it shares like a special place in my heart. So I still go back to it. Um, 
And I kind of realized while playing it how the mechanics of the game essentially they essentially foster colonialism. Okay. And and so like there are there are many different win conditions of the game, right? So mm-hmm. you can win in a scientific victory if you are able to build all the spaceship parts and go to Alpha Centauri first. Uh, you could win a military victory if you can conquer uh, a bunch of different, you know, lay, like about I think it's like sixty-six percent of the world's, you know, surface area. If you can conquer that, then you win. There's like a percentage of the population that you could win at. Uh, and then there's like diplomatic victory if you can convince the world to vote for you at the United Nations, which you can never do because the AI will never do it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so there's like there's like a couple different ways of doing it, but it does some it like the way that you play the game as it unfolds. Um, if you don't want to get knocked out, you kind of do have to expand to a certain extent, and sometimes yeah. you can get lucky. But it has to do with resources. Um, so, like early on in the game, if you like, if you don't start with iron in your territory, and you aren't able to nab it from someone that has it, then you will spend the first half of that game with just you know like Bronze Age level troops, and that that's not really tenable. Um, so, like if you can't take that, then you're kind of stuck. Um, same thing with, like, horses. Like, if you can't get horses in your borders, then you're kind of stuck. And then the next hurdle is saltpeter. And so it's like, these resources, they start out pretty widely spread. But as they get unearthed, they be- they're they more and more um, rare. So by the time uranium is discovered, there's only there can be sometimes, like, only three sources of it on the entire planet. Um, so if you're not conquering then you always run this chance of falling behind, which is this kind of way of, of simulating this kind of idea of, like, nas- like this, this idea of the clash of civilizations and, like, the, the, the need for colonies to kind of gain resources and gain markets. Um, kind of just inherently built into the mechanics of the game, this kind of idea. So Sid Meier canceled? Is Sid Meier canceled? Yeah. Um, for for <laughs> making a game 15 years ago that shows how I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he's promoting colonialism. He's canceled. He's promoting colonialism. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, it was just kind of interesting to to witness that kind of play out in person. Yeah. Um. And so I don't know. Just just some hot takes for a game that came out in 2003. <laughs> That was 16 years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. We're old. I'm old. I was 10. Shut up. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. The last thing that I kind of wanted to bring up, and I don't really want to talk too much about it because I haven't got super far in it yet, uh, is I finally bought Nier Automata. Oh, yeah. You were talking about that. Um, and, oh, my God. That game is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did all my homework. I watched all of the videos by one Mr. Klemps on YouTube about the Drakengard series and about the the first Nier game. Because all of those games are really old, A, um, and B, have, like, from what I understand, really clunky mechanics in terms of actual gameplay. 
but the stories are incredible. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've heard that if you're going to get into Nier Automata, you should go watch that series. So if you're interested in what I'm about to talk about, go watch Mr. Klemps' videos on uh, Drakengard 1, 2, and 3, and Nier. And I watched the, the Let's Play of Nier that the Best Friends did. Mm -hmm. and I don't think they finished it entirely, but they they did get pretty far. Did they, for Nier or Nier Automata? Not Nier Automata, just okay. Nier. All right. So it is... It is kind of, again, like really crazy. Mm -hmm. But unlike the other things that I watch where I describe it as really crazy, it's like, really crazy setting, but here's all of these feelings. <laughs> Are you prepared to handle it? No, you're not. Um, so the premise of the game is it is like a thousand years in the future or something like that, or like 2,000 years in the future, like mm -hmm. way far in the future. And Earth was invaded by aliens. And instead of actually just invading it themselves, the, the aliens left behind these machine creatures mm -hmm. to, like, take over the planet. And so humanity fucked off and left and, like, made a colony on the moon. And hundreds of years passed. And then humanity, the Council of Humanity on the moon, starts sending androids to Earth mm -hmm. to fight the machines and take Earth back for humans. And so you play as one of the androids, B2, or no, 2B. Um, and or not 2B. Yeah, it, it's, it's super intentional. Okay. Okay? The game is all about existentialism. Mm -hmm. To the point where um, where one of the characters, one of them, you, you find a village of friendly machines, mm -hmm. and there is a character... Um, name like john paul or something like that or so like he's he's a philosopher like john paul sartre yes okay <laughs> so, like and he just is spouting all of this nonsense and like you have to go do quests for him okay so yes it is a game about existentialism so the fact that the main character's name is 2b i believe is absolutely intentional mm -hmm. um but I don't, I don't want to get too far into it because I, A, I'm not very far into it. Um, this game has 26 endings, mm -hmm. one for each letter of the alphabet. Um, F through Z, from what I understand, are all like game over screens that you can get from doing things like walking the wrong way during particular parts of the game or holding down the right and left analog stick at the same time and causing your main character to self-destruct mm -hmm. or going to an in going to a particular inventory screen and un unequipping the item that is the OS chip for your Android <laughs> causing a fatal system error. Um, but I have unlocked the first actual ending of the game. Like I've hit credits once and now I'm in the second playthrough. Or the second route, I should say. And the, the second route, you play as a different character mm -hmm. who was there for most of the game, but now you're seeing the game through this other character's perspective. And you are getting more game mechanics. And you are getting more elements to the story. And you're seeing new parts of things happen. Mm -hmm. um, and so I will probably be able to talk more about it when I play through the entire thing. But the funny thing about it is, this game is like two years old at this point. It came out in 2017, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I bought it, took it home on Friday, started playing it. Over the weekend, Curio, uh, who's a YouTuber who I follow, has now released 
three videos about Nier Automata mm. for a series that started on the day that I brought my, <laughs> my copy home. And the day after I bought it, Girlfriend Reviews, another YouTube series I follow, decided to finally do their review of Nier Automata. <laughs> so it was a real, like, plate of shrimp situation where I was just like, oh, hey, here's this thing that I've been meaning to check out. I'm finally going to check it out. And then the universe all around me was like, did someone say something about Nier Automata? Here's a whole bunch of, <laughs> here's a whole bunch of, uh, of content all about Nier Automata. So I feel as if I am tapped into, you know, the central consciousness in the universe. You know, I think plate of shrimp and someone says something about plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp. What are you referencing? Um, uh, Repo Man. Have you never seen Repo no. Man? Oh, shit. That's another one we should watch. Um, but plate of shrimp moment being basically, you know, one of those times when you think about something and then all of a sudden that thing is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is the second time in two weeks where that's happened, because in our last episode, when we talked about Streets of Fire and the Warriors, and, like, the day after we recorded, Red Letter Media came out with a video about the Warriors, and in that video, they talked about Streets of Fire. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, here's this movie that no one's ever talked about. And like, the next day, one of the biggest, most popular movie YouTube channels was talking about that exact same movie. Well, I guess we beat them to it. Then. We beat them to it. Well, technically, they probably shot it before us because, you know, editing is a long and time-consuming process. That, oh, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> that we do in, like, a day. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, I don't know. I wonder what else I'll tap into next. What, what The next thing about the universe I will discover. It'll probably be uh, that Star Wars knockoff that you're talking about. Oh my god, that would be great if people started talking about Battle Beyond the Stars. I, I had to step away for some of it because I was doing other things that I... And you well, couldn't be bothered to pause it. I couldn't be bothered to pause it. <laughs> um, Disappointing. Yeah, I mean, it was fun, but it wasn't like, oh, I have to find out what happens next. It's like... Eh, I can have this going while I, like, unload the dishwasher for five minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that sort of a thing. But anyway, uh, anyone else? Lisa's staring at her phone because... I got nothing. Got nothing. I already said I got nothing at the top of the podcast. I still got nothing. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm all out of stuff, too. All right. I'm all out of stuff. I'm sorry. This is how talking. I feel. I can't talk anymore on this podcast. Laying awake, talking in this microphone. I'm sorry. That I went knew, off the rails. Yeah, I thought I knew oh, what I song you were starting with. No, it's like, I'm else. all out of faith. Oh. This is how I feel. Oh, I thought it was all out of love. I can't. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I'm all out of love. I'm all out of stuff. I can't keep talking about. Yeah, no, that that just drifted into Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> so I need to stop. Okay. Like, I don't know. It's time I'm to sorry. stop. It's, it's time to stop. It's time this to stop. Over. So this, this has been Some Nerds of a Podcast. Uh, I'm Alex. I'm Elise.